Bloody Elbow presents the MMA Vivisection, the show that gives you a comprehensive breakdown and expert analysis of all the fights happening on this week's UFC prelims card. Paid Bloody Elbow Podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your hosts, Bloody Elbow fight analysts Zane Simon and Connor Rebush. Hey everybody, welcome back to the MMA section with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Connor Rebush. We're here once again talking about UFC 293, going down at the Kudos, the Kudos Bank. Uh, that's not even Australian, is it? Kudos. No. Kudos. You know that Kudos. is how British, that is how the British Commonwealth world says the word kudos. Yeah. They say kudos, that's not a joke. The ki- the kudos bank like they arena. Say, just like they say, Carlos. Yeah, we're gonna keep running that joke right into the ground. Uh, but yeah, going down. It's a couple feet under the surface already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the horse is dead, but my arm isn't tired. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, going down in Sydney, Australia, this weekend. Highlighted or headlined by a middleweight title fight between Israel Adesanya and Sean Strickland. We're talking about the prelims right now, though, which there are a couple highlights on here. Yeah. But they very much also continue the theme that the last two fights on the main card had, which is, wait, which one of these guys is supposed to win? Mm-hmm. You know. The um, other thing that distinguishes these prelims from most other prelims is that there are a variety of uh, antipodian gentlemen on them. <laughs> That's a fancy way of saying Australian, New Zealand, yeah. Zane. You like that? Yeah. I did like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's yeah. it's honestly the the thing is with the prelims, I almost feel positively about them because they don't really stand out from the bottom half of the main card. Yeah. In terms True. of poor quality. <laughs> Olberg Dong Jung is a much better fight yeah. than Pedro Kali. Absolutely. Much better. And I like uh, Malarkey McDessie, which is Malarkey coming up. And... is much better than Tafa Lane. Yeah. Uh, even Jenkins Mariscal is better mm-hmm. than Tafa Lane, if we're being real. Mm-hmm. Um, so, could be worse. Yeah, could be worse. Could be worse. But, uh, yeah, let's talk about this Olberg Jung fight because I have been pleasantly surprised by Carlos Olberg. I mean, we still, he's still, the potential for the meltdown is still there. Yes, it is. We still have not really seen a full fight that is not, we have not seen the actual midpoint between Charant and and Zechiku. Yeah which we need to see where there's like the, Oh my God, I threw everything in a, in, in two minutes and melted down completely and then yeah. lost or the, I did nothing for three rounds and won a very boring fight. We need that midpoint of, I managed my output for three rounds and did well. And right. we have not seen that yet. No, we have not. It is, it is a bit of the Tyson Pedro problem with Olberg because I mean, first of all, I'll say, he does just look like a he's a better striker than Tyson Pedro. Much better. 
he's better schooled. No surprise. He's a city kickboxing guy. They have good striking training there. Yep. Not a Jackson Wink guy. Yep. As Tyson Pedro, if not anymore, than was for some time. Um, but the, the same problem exists, which is that the one, one time we have seen somebody aggressively pressure him and stay on him, he collapsed. And that was also the one time outside of that Fabio Schrant fight that he went outside the first round in the UFC. And, um, yeah, it's like he was absolutely beating the brakes off in Zetchukwu in the first part of that fight. Yeah. You know, was that, how different was that from these last two performances we've seen from him? These last three performances. Yeah. We don't know. Not really at all. Yeah. All we have to believe that he doesn't, he isn't bound to collapse the moment somebody is a fight against Fabio Charant in which he was himself super slow paced yeah. against somebody who did not know how to pressure him. Yep. So, yeah, I, I think there's still a very strong possibility that against the right opponent, Carlos Olberg will still go down in flames like he did against Zetchukwu. Yeah, at, at the very least, it's, pro- it's probably one of those problems that will dog his entire career with, with it, sure. you know. It might be improved by technical proficiency and, yeah, you know, comfort over time. But like, it'll it'll never actually go away entirely. Yeah, it, it, it's something you can you could stick a bandaid on. You know, you'll yeah. you'll I mean, discover some point with enough experience that oh, you have a second wind in you, and that all is not lost just because you don't get that quick win. But in, in the most glaring example, you can just look at Ty- Tyron Woodley, where. You know, he had like early meltdowns in his career and was like, oh, yeah. man, never letting that happen again. And he spent he, he won a UFC title and defended it multiple times. He just did. He just did the Fabio Chiron performance forever. Yeah. And at the <laughs> end, and at the end of it, when he started losing, he had to go back to pressuring and he just went back right straight back to meltdown mode. Yeah. You know, like it just that problem never actually got fixed. He just had to change the way he fought entirely around it you got to work around these flaws most of the time um that said so i mean i am still i'm still positively impressed by carlos olberg i really like the way against uh igor potieria he just drew him onto strikes you know pecked at him and 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 led him on to strikes i thought that was great and i have not at all been impressed, impressed by Donovan Joan. Yeah. Who seems like he is in his own crisis mode right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where he got knocked out for the first time in his whole career by Dustin Jacoby. And his follow up solution was to try and out wrestle Devin Clark. Yeah. He did not have the confidence to just win a striking battle say what Devin. you will about carlos olberg his solution to the problem he encountered the prospect loss problem he encountered against Ntechukwu was still a striking solution it yeah. still involved the thing he's actually good at yeah what's the different he didn't try to go completely out of his wheelhouse that to me is always a really bad sign it when somebody really- who you have never seen looking to control a fight with wrestling at all just goes desperate for that and not even against somebody like you against Devin Clark. Yeah. Somebody just jab him up. 
Yeah, this would, there, there was no game plan in the entire world that should have involved trying to out-wrestle Devin Clark, whose whole thing is that he wrestles and he still fights hard when he's really tired. Yeah. That's like Devin Clark's whole you're thing. You're four inches taller than him. Yeah. And you're a striker who has a jab and a straight right hand. Just box him up. Yep. Very strange decision-making and a very bad sign. And a very bad sign. And the big thing here with this fight, I could see maybe, you know, Charles Holberg does not have Devin Clark's wrestling defense. So it it could very (laughs) well. Maybe it'll work this time. It might. You know, I think there is actually a a fight where uh, Dong Jung, I believe, yeah, he got eight takedowns against William Knight. (laughs) <laughs> why does he go against these little short beef machines and that's when he thinks he's got to wrestle it doesn't make any sense right <laughs> what is so, the thought for so maybe this isn't him going down in flames maybe this is just a thing he does it might just, just certain... be a thing he does it's um, very strange though but yeah it's very strange it might it might work here but if he if, if his thing is that he does it against short guys yeah then Carlos Olberg is not no. going to give him that chance. No. And Same big, height, similar reach. They're, yeah. Yeah. The big thing to me, too, though, is that uh, I really don't think Dong Jung's style is built for him to be the man coming forward. Yeah. His striking game is a very pot shot. And counterpunch style. Yeah. And when he's the guy coming forward, he gets a lot more reckless, a lot less defensively sound. Yeah. And he makes worse decisions. Yep. Ulberg can counter. He's got decent footwork off the back foot. But also if Don Jung concedes uh, space, if he tries to draw Ulberg in, He's going to have one major problem in the form of Carlos Olberg is a better kicker. Exactly. That's going to be a huge problem. Olberg just has a distinct range weapon that Don Jung really doesn't. Yeah. And so therefore doesn't have to overcommit, doesn't have to reach and pu- and let his head drop into the pocket. Um, Don Jung is going to have to come to him to hit him with counters. Yeah. I don't know. I don't trust either of these guys particularly, but. Um, Don Jung himself, he, he, again, like just because, um, Olberg collapsed against Nzechukwu, first of all, I don't think he'll do that again. Like, I don't think yeah. he will. I think he learned his lesson there. He's not going to go completely nuts early. And while these, these last few fights have all been first round finishes, they have been controlled. Yeah, they have like, methodical you know. first round finishes. Mm-hmm. And then there's the fact that unlike somebody like Tyson Pedro against, say, Modestus Bukowskis, it was compounded by Nzechukwu taking the fight to him when he started to tire. Yeah. That was one of Nzechukwu's more... Did you hear that whistle when I said Nzechukwu? That was yeah. strange. That was one of Nzechukwu's more swarming, hyper-aggressive performances. That's how he came back into that fight and really broke Olberg. Olberg didn't just fall apart completely of his own volition. No, and also, also has to be noted, he did totally beat Nzechukwu's ass. Absolutely, yeah. For as long as his gas tank held up, it was a completely one-sided shit-kicking 
he beat his ass. He beat his ass too much. Yeah, he beat his ass too much. I don't know that Dong Jung has it in him to take that kind of beating. Maybe not. Still, I don't think Olberg should do it. I I he like should, the no. the rate of ass beating he's been delivering in his yeah. last few fights. I think that does suggest he's taken some of the right lessons away. It do, I think so too. And I I you know we can't bank on it because we haven't seen it all. Right. But. The way the way that Olberg's game is set up right now appears to be he's he's set up as a trap, you know. He's creating his his style to be a trap, where it's oh I I throw low kicks, I throw jabs, I fight off the back foot, I frustrate you. You have to come to me. I spring the trap. Yeah, you, you know what actually really really caught on to me hmm. uh, for me watching him this time. I bet that Carlos Olberg has spent years of his life at this point being Alex Pereira in camp for Israel Adesanya. Mm. Could like be. That, that flashing left hook. That is his favorite counter by a long shot. And to I a was comical talking. extent in the Sharon yeah. fight. It's all the only idea he had. But yeah. You might be onto something. I think I think this man has been molded to be Israel Adesanya's Alex Pereira clone. Yeah. And much like Pereira in that way, the the game is set up to be a trap. You know? Yeah. And it may be a trap that like we may feel like, oh, maybe it's still a bit of a fragile trap. Maybe it's still a bit of a one-dimensional game at times. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But it is a very thorough idea. It is a very, you know, it, it, it is a it is a complete way of fighting. And Daun Jung doesn't seem to have that anymore. Sure. Worked for Leota Machida all those years. Yeah. Poke, poke, poke until you rush in and I kill you. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, yeah. I, there, there's the Tyson Pedro concern, but I haven't seen anything so damning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as a. Pedro, like he had a moment in the Bukowskis fight where he stepped in on like a one-two and his head ended up down at like Bukowskis's belly button. Yeah. Because he, and not because he was like, oh, I'm doing a one-two to shoot, but because he was so worried about getting countered on the yeah. return, he flinched himself into a dreadful position. Yeah. And he, yeah, he flinched himself into a dreadful position and then just has to like cling on right after. And I, you watch, I was watching that. I'm just like, this is bad. Like this is, this is a bad place to be emotionally. I have not seen that. Carlos Olberg seems like a man who goes through life with an unreasonable amount of confidence and you yeah. can't find any reasons he shouldn't be so confident. And that's the worst part of all. Like it's real giga Chad kind of energy. Oh man. If I looked like Car- Carlos Alberg, you know how confident I'd be. Yeah. Right. Come on. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, um, I still have faith that Carlos Olberg, uh, and again, it was like I said, it was the Zetchukwu fight was a was a bad sign, but it was also in Zetchukwu just as much taking that win from him 
yeah. as it was Olberg destroying himself. And it was a, probably a much needed ego check that like yep. he came in there way too confident. He overcome thinking that that you could, couldn't hurt him, that he exactly. couldn't, he couldn't possibly win this fight. Yeah. And he thought even more than that, that he was going to get him out of there easily and uh, yeah. quickly. And you can understand why, because he was hitting him yeah. an awful lot. Yeah. Right from the get go. And then he overcompensated against Sharant. And lately, yes, he's been getting quick finishes, but they have not been rushed finishes. Yep. Uh, and he's not been doing too much. They have kind of dropped into his lap. Yeah. So I still need to see. Um, you know that hard fight will come again. We of know course, it will. Of course. But, but nothing he, indicates that he is out there um, yeah. suiciding himself uh, no. without help. Yeah. Odds on the bout. Olberg is a pretty solid favorite here. Opened at minus 276. is currently minus 261. Uh, Don Jung opened at plus 237 currently plus 225. I'm also fascinated if it is actually been like corrected now after three or four years in the UFC where several websites now just have him listed as Da Woon Jung instead of Da Woon Jung. Mm -hmm. Um, Like it's fight odds has him that way now. Tapology has him that way now. Although they don't have it. uh, Oh no, no. Tapology still has Da Woon Jung. But uh, Fight Odds has Da Woon Jung and one other. Oh, the stats. UFC, the UFC stats database has him as Da Woon Jung now, too. But the UFC.com, like visual stuff, all still has him as Da Woon Jung. I uh, didn't listen to what you were saying. I just started doing a Google image search for Carlos Olberg. Yeah. I'm about to make a fan cam. <laughs> I'm very jealous of this man's looks. Right? It's just not. It's not. It's not fair. Like, he better turn out to be bad at fighting because right? it's too too much for one man to have. Yeah. Or at the Dude. very, if he comes out at some point in the next like year or something, and like has some impromptu moment where he can sing or something, I'm gonna be really. Oh my god. Mad. He better not be able to sing. <laughs> he just has like a soulful. He sounds like Usher. No, <laughs> absolutely not. I will not allow that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get to our featherweight bout. Jack Jenkins, Chepe Mariscal. And, um, yeah, this is, I mean, this will be fun. Mariscal mm-hmm. is absolutely fun. I think he's, he's the kind of dude where we're talking, we're talking about, uh, on our bonus content, we were talking a bit about, uh, Morgan Chartier. Mm-hmm. I would say, Chepe Mariscal is also a dude who's gotten to the UFC at just the right moment. And just the right moment for him is can win a couple fights there. Yeah, he's one of the other guys that we were um, enjoying getting a, an influx of a couple years ago. They like, you know, this guy's this guy knows how he fights. Pays his, has paid his dues regionally. Mm-hmm. Probably does, should not get a shot in the UFC off his record but he's willing to step up on short notice. And when he gets there, he'll actually be mildly competitive because he's paid his dues so much already. Yeah. He's got the experience. He's got a fully functional game. I mean, he knows what he's in there to do. Um, but absolutely a, not that athletic. Yeah. Wild brawler 
who survives on toughness and aggression and, oh, you think you'll hurt me? No, I'll hurt you style of fighting where, you know, you then look at his record and you see like a knockout to Gregor Gillespie, yeah. to Joe Anderson Brito, to Steve, Steve Garcia. Garcia, lost to Bryce Mitchell in there. And you're like, okay, this isn't a big surprise. No, that, all, all of those make sense. They're sort of level-defining yeah. matchups. Yeah. And then he went in there against the uh, decently athletic but completely unstructured Trevor Peak. Yeah. No problems. Like, oh, just another brawler, but kind of worse. And I he mean, had a lot more cool ideas than Trevor Peak. He did get yeah. hurt a couple times in that fight. Oh, for it sure. Must be said. He, 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 they, they, they swang a lot of hammers at each other. Oh, yeah. But no, he did. He was able to out brawl him in the end. Yeah, like, and he had a more he had a more creative style of brawl, yeah. particularly like all yeah. of his clinch takedowns and throws. Yeah, he's trying no. to be colliding with him, and he's just like, "Oh, I have an underhook," and just flings him to the ground like Tim Boach. Yeah, it was a Miles lot of that. It was cool. He's he's definitely got a full game that he knows how to execute. Yeah, that all works alongside him brawling. Yeah, and that's fun. He's a lot of fun. I uh, I think that the those losses and Jack Jenkins is probably yeah. pretty instructional though. Yep, I agree. Uh, Jenkins, you know, and I I can't remember if you did too, but I know I picked him to beat uh, Jamal Emmers. Mm-hmm. And, I can't I can't recall. Maybe. And I I that was watching that fight back. That's probably a pretty instructive fight on Jenkins' ceiling as well. Yeah. Where he really does depend a lot on people getting hurt by the incredibly painful things he does. Yeah. And Emmer's, he's a tough dude. Mm -hmm. And he's a tough dude that knows how to fight well. And he just ate a lot of the shots Jenkins threw and found Jenkins still squared up, like right in front of him, having just thrown a low kick or a one, two down the pipe. Yeah. And would just hit him with three shots right back. And it ended up being a very nip tuck fight because of that, because Jenkins, a lot of his game is opponents getting cowed by how insistent and targeted his offense is. Yeah. And he's powerful. I mean, he is powerful. Yeah. Those shots hurt. Yeah. Uh, and that, that in and of itself will probably make this fight with Mariscal a little hairier at times. If Mariscal can really bite down through the pain, the pain and just be like, man, I, I will just wing a couple wild hooks at you. If you're going to be right here in front of me, even though you hit me really hard, I've got to try to make something happen. But Mariscal is not unhurtable. He, he is not next level, top of the food chain, UFC right. level tough. Probably even without any more other physical traits, if he was just that durable, I might pick him to be somebody like Jack Jenkins. I probably would. It, in it, fact. it would be an it would be an interesting war, nonetheless. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, if he were out there being, uh, you know, Billy Quarantillo. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Then you might be like, yeah, Billy Quarantillo might beat Jack Jenkins. Mm -hmm. But Mariscal is not. He is damageable. And 
Jenkins is going to really target him hard. And I think he's just going to chop, chip him away and chop him down over time. Yeah, that's that's basically my pick as well. He's he's got all the all the mental toughness. He's got the heart and the creativity of a Quarantello type fighter, uh, but he does not have the physical durability. And even if I mean he he'll bounce back from getting hurt. He did it against yeah. Trevor Peak, who admittedly is a lot less structured than Jenkins, but not by as much as you'd like. Yeah. Um. And uh, but it at least probably means round winning moments for Jenkins, who is not going to be giving quite so many yes. wide open opportunities. He's not going to be getting flung on his ass every minute Jen- and a half. Jenkins won't fall onto something stupid. He just yeah. he's got a little bit of the Lando Venata yeah. thing. He will where- watch his work or maybe it's because he just puts so much like into his kicks. Exactly. Yeah. He just sits there and, and has to kind of reset and there's always a moment to come back at him. Yeah. But that is something that like you have to be really well prepared to take advantage of while getting damaged. Yeah. And Met Mariscal is much more the kind of fighter who if you are going to be in front of him leaving all kinds of openings and just staying there and not concerning yourself with any kind of defense, he will be right back there for the war. Yeah. Well, he will take the shot, take his moment to recover and bite down and double down on you. Yeah. But if you're going to hit him and reset or do something else, or, you know, even if it's just pause for a moment and then jump back or whatever, you're probably going to find him swinging it there a lot, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm curious what uh, what effect Mariscal's wrestling game might have in this fight. Yeah, Jenkins I mean, uh, is an interesting case in that he's got a really great top game, but he yes. is just as likely to seed a grapple a wrestling advantage as he is to take one. Yeah, exactly what I was going to say. Like I, as, as he's he looks really strong on top. Seems to have just great balance. That powerful striking is a huge advantage when he's on top. But uh, I've also, yeah, just seen long stretches of fights where he just sort of uh, uh, concedes guard and just yeah. hangs out there for a long, like closed guard. And is and a lot Mars- of times he gets on top with like a sweep that comes after a minute and a half of guard work. Mariscal's game is not controlling on top, though. No, that he's is- going to catch you in the transition is his idea. Yeah. And keep the momentum going. But the, the takedowns might be there and who knows? I yeah. mean, there's maybe an opportunity for him to bank some time or maybe catch a submission. Um, I mean, I'll say this much. If he's going to take you down in guard and Jenkins isn't going to be insistent on getting back up right away, doesn't necessarily have to be a control oriented fighter to bank some time or possibly land some good strikes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting X factor. I think it was a major X factor in that Trevor peak fight for Mario. Yeah. was his, uh, his just nonstop willingness to take the fight into other phases. Yeah, well, and it, with Trevor Peak, is just sort of thing. Like, if you're always taking a fight to Trevor Peak, you're always going to find him making a mistake. <laughs> no, absolutely. But I do like that. Mario Scal is yeah. a he's an all-terrain brawler. He is. No, uh, no question. That, that's what makes his game especially fun to watch. He's not just slugging hooks. He he is always looking for an opportunity to try something on you. Yep. In an exchange. So it, uh, I, I like it as a and I and I'm, I'm not feeling like they need to like rush Jenkins. I, I'm perfectly no. okay with this matchup. Yeah. It is Looks, fun though too. Did you see the uh, Jack Jenkins that video of him floating around recently? No. Uh, there's, there's a great little clip out there uh, on Twitter that's making the rounds. 
of him talking about uh, one of his before his contender series fight. Some fan emailed him or sent him a message. It was like, hey, this guy you're about to fight. The only fight he lost, he got a super bad cut over one of his eyes. And I bet you could make that happen again. Uh huh. And then Jenkins, like in the fight, got on top of the guy and was like, I'm going to start hitting him with the elbows in that eye. And the the guy's eye split open. And huh. so he was like, yeah, shout out to that guy for like telling me. And I was just like, I was, of course I was thinking about it. It's like, I got to okay. do that. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's a fun little highlight of that fan's life. Yeah. Yeah. Gave a fun a... little like, you yeah. know, fighter getting a little, a little information and actually really making use of it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I like I like both these guys. I like both their games. Jenkins is much more likely, I think, to, you know, scrape up against the top the edges of the top ten with his style. It's a very yeah. controlled, very uh damage oriented style. And he's got the physicality. He's got the physicality. Mariscal, he's gonna be there to be prob maybe not even a mid card action fighter, but for as long as he's in the UFC, all of his fights will probably be fun. Yeah, I think we need fighters like Chepe Mariscal. We do, absolutely. He's a lot of fun, you know? Yeah. Uh, the, he's the kind of dude that I think that the the uh, contender series should really be made for. Yeah. You know, you got top prospects. Just sign the top prospects. Yeah. But guys like him floating around out there in the in the world who are just hard hard-working fighters who are, have put in like a decade and are just mm-hmm. trying to get a shot in the big show – Mm-hmm. Like, give them the tryout. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, odds on the fight. Jenkins is a pretty solid favorite. Opened at minus 195. Currently minus 198. Mariscal opened at plus 173. Currently plus 176. That brings us to a lightweight bout. Jamie Malarkey, John McDessie. And Still here, damn it. Yeah, I cannot honestly. John McDessie's tenure is kind of amazing. He's a legend, man. Like, I'm actually too. Let me see. He has never missed an entire calendar year of fighting. And he's been fighting since 2008. Like,. He's a fighter you think of like, oh, his longevity is because he's gotten injured and taken. I had to take a lot of time off and stuff like that. You know, he's fought 26 times. It's not a ton, but it's not nothing. But you actually go back and look at the numbers. Even if he's only fighting once a year, as he has for the past five, six years, Mm -hmm. he's still fighting once every year. Yeah. And I would say that the the real story with John McDessie and, and very likely the key to his longevity uh, well, there may be two. He hasn't been cutting a lot of weight. Uh-huh. He's famously very, very tiny for the division, more so than ever. Yeah. Because everyone else is cutting massive amounts of weight now. Um, but the other thing is, like, he is genuinely one of those fighters who's probably still around and operating at this level because he has not been soaking up tons of damage all his career. Yeah. He is a very defensively minded fighter. Yep the rare MMA striker who can really get away with a very defensive style 
uh, like Rafael Sunsau, who was also had a very long career and fought well past his prime and was still hanging in there with top fighters. Um, yeah, John McDessie just doesn't give uh, damage away for free. Yeah. And that, 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 that'll do good. He's 38 years old and he still looks honestly pretty good. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Honestly, of all the dudes, like, you know, I remember seeing him way back in the day, you know, when he lost to like Dennis Hallman. Yeah. And thinking like, oh, it's kind of tragic because John McDessie's got a fun technical style, but he's a short man who fights like a, he fights like a long man. Yeah. You know? Well, hey, Look who the featherweight champion is. Yeah. There's yeah, room for that style. There is room for that style. And the thing is, like, he's always hit, you know, he's hit the uh, the kind of problems that that style means over the years. He's had the, the, the troubles sure. and the setbacks. But, man, has he just stuck with it. It's, it's a really good testament, too, to do the things you're good at. Absolutely. And just, like... Find what you're comfortable with and stick with it and keep working on it year after year and just, you know, don't try to be the, oh, I've got to prove I can do everything guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it just a has always been a testament to the genuine value of good technique. Yeah. You know, yeah, the guy's honestly. got a system. He works off of his jab. He moves his feet. He takes angles away from his opponent while keeping a threat on them. Yep. He's always ready to leverage his defense into immediate counters. Um, and yeah, he's just like very tight defensively and solid. Like getting jabs through on John McDessie is really difficult because that right hand is never far from his chin and it's always, always ready to pick one of those shots off. Mm-hmm. Chasing after John McDessie, you know, difficult to stay lined up on him, difficult not to run into his counters. He hits the body. He's got a full kicking complement of kicks um, and a really simple, really effective boxing game. Yeah, he's awesome. I love John McDessie. And um, honestly, I feel like, uh, you know, a sign that he is genuinely aging. I think he probably would have beaten Nasrud Hakprost if it was if this was the John McDessie of five years ago. Yeah, because that is a real like Hakprost really isn't good enough technically to outsmart McDessie, but he's such a superior athlete and so much younger. Yeah, that's what made the difference. Those he is going to continue losing more of those kinds of matchups, but yeah. this isn't one of those matchups. It isn't. It's not. John, uh, Jamie Malarkey is not a great athlete. Not at all. He's he's rugged. He's pretty well rounded. Yep. Um, but he's not super dangerous. He is certainly not a, a great athlete. I would say he's comparable at best to McDessie now in terms of physical abilities. He probably is inferior to McDessie when he was Malarkey's age as an he's athlete. In, interestingly, he's listed as being the same size as John McDessie. That's weird. Doesn't feel that way, does it? He's, his inches, his reach is six inches longer. But he's, it does not seem like Malarkey is five foot eight. Yeah. Well, I'll seems... tell you what. I have no doubts that McDessie is going to feel like the longer armed puncher uh, for much of this matchup because the man has a dynamite okay. jab. He's an excellent positional striker. This makes much more sense. Yeah, uh, on hear. the UFC fight stats page, he's listed at six foot. 
Okay. That, He's got to be taller than McDessie. I that's what I thought he was. I thought he was I thought he was pretty big actually. And 6 foot reads much much close much more of the reality. Yeah, McDessie's 58, a 58 lightweight in this day and age. Yeah. <laughs> He's so small compared to modern lightweights. Yeah. But uh yeah, I'm going to pick him. Yeah, I, I don't see how Malarkey really puts a ton of pressure on uh, McDessie. I don't see how he does a lot of damage to him. I mean, that's always the concern is that people just, you know, McDessie's old. You land a big yeah. shot on him. You maybe steal the round, steal the fight. Without those possibilities, like McDessie's, is Malarkey's wrestling going to be his edge here? That's like the thing I'm worrying about. Because <sighs> Malarkey... He will. He is a fighter who I, I don't even know that he's like a, a great game planner or anything. But he tends to. He, I mean, he's kind of a guy who has to do everything in order yeah. to do one thing. Even even when he's he's winning doing one thing, as was yeah. the case in his. Uh, which fight was that? His Francisco fight with Prado. Uh, yeah, with Francisco yeah. Prado, where he was like tooling him on the feet. Yeah, and he kept trying to wrestle, even though that was like consistently what was getting Prado back into the fight. Yeah, he has to do everything. Um, but he does, you know, he does do a good job of asserting himself on opponents. Even you know, it with the except, I guess, with the exception of really lengthy guys who can take away his reach. Uh, or who can just, you know, I, I, there's Brad Riddell too. That would be like the, if McDessie were younger and more powerful, Brad Riddell would be my big worry where Malarkey basically just got relegated to having the same stand-up exchange over and over and over where he was always a step behind it. And it could happen here. I, I kind of expect it to happen. You talk about somebody being long enough to negate his reach. What about somebody being skilled enough to negate his yeah, reach? Yeah, it could just be that. Um, I guess he has a better long-range boxing game than many of the guys that have done that to Malarkey, despite the fact that he's only 5'8". It's true. I just think at some point McDe- or th- that Malarkey will probably start getting in some takedowns and do enough that I think... The other the other thing is that I just think that McDessie at this point is getting into maybe a little of the like uh, hyper hyper low output to the point that he's not you know even if Malarkey can't catch up to him a lot out at range he's not going to do a lot to Malarkey at range either. Yeah, he he clearly will. He does a lot more if you if you force a fight on him. As like yeah. Ignacio Bahamondes did. That was a super high output fight from McDessie. It that was. was only one fight ago. It was. It's true. But Bahamondes was all over him the whole time. He had to. Yeah. Keep the punches going to keep him off. And I, <sighs> I'm going to pick McDessie. I, mean, I, I, know. Just, I, I, I want to pick McDessie. I'm going to pick Malarkey. Really? I, yeah. I Traitor. Just think, Traitor. I think he's going to be able to... I think th- I, I think that the the striking output between them on the feet will be low enough that the takedowns and control that Mark Malarkey will insist upon will matter enough to steal the fight. 
I don't necessarily see Malarkey getting a lot of takedowns. He'll go for them. Maybe he won't. Maybe he won't. And Nagesi has always been a very strong defensive wrestler. Size disadvantage and all. He's sometimes been a very strong defensive wrestler. He's had 80, 85% takedown defense. Yeah, okay, yeah. That's fair. What are fights where somebody has... I mean, Hawk Prost found the takedowns, but he was busting up McDessie's eye. Um, there, you can't think of many fights where somebody has beaten McDessie with wrestling, can you? Like I say, I kind of... I remember the, like... You know that that like I, I that Hallman fight always sticks out in my mind, but that was like a decade ago. Yeah. Um. And Alan Patrick took him down twice. While yeah. he, you know, kind of a, a a mediocre stretch man. Yeah, not not for long. No, not for long. I just it's very difficult it was, to control it McDessie. That, it was a fight that McDessie lost. Yeah, he shouldn't have. I know he shouldn't have, but I can easily see that kind of fight happening. Sure. Oh, for sure. But I'm not going to pick a guy to lose a bad decision, <laughs> which is what that Patrick fight was. But I, I will. I'll pick M- Malarkey to just kind of like hang in there and make this fight grimy enough without McDessie getting any really singular offense off to to take the way, away rounds, even when you're like, yeah, I think he was actually landing the better strikes. Okay. So, so. Your, your pick is that malarkey will win a fight that he shouldn't yeah all right yeah <laughs> fair enough that's essentially the argument i'm willing to make yeah i, I don't want to seem like too crazy overconfident in no, you, i mean you, i know he's old and everything but i just feel like this, this isn't a particularly threatening style matchup it isn't it isn't i agree i i think you know you roll back the clock and maybe maybe this will be the bahamandes fight again yeah but well, and, and McDessie is perfectly capable of getting a round-stealing moment or two himself. I mean, McDessie is not an inconsiderable puncher. He's very no. accurate. It's just I think that he's getting probably – I'm I am taking a gut pick that the, that, that fight we saw with Hawk Perost, like you said, is a sign like the age might be catching up to him. For sure. He is going to age more and more uh, in the Josh Berkman way of like – yeah, not necessarily that, getting less durable, not getting not even necessarily more injured, but getting to a point where he just doesn't pull the trigger. Getting too picky. Yeah. Yeah, it could happen. Um, Malarkey opened at minus 179. He's currently at minus 252. Uh, McDessie opened at plus 160, currently plus 218. Uh, all right. That brings us to the ah, lost my place entirely. Lightweight bout: Nazrat Hawk Cross Lando Landon Kinone. Speaking of speaking of uh, Nazrat Hawk Cross, he beat John McDessie and then gets the worst place on the card. Then <laughs> they don't know what to do with McDessie. They don't know what to do with or, or with Hawk with Hawk Cross. I mean, yeah, yeah. Because he's already like, what? What does beating John McDessie get you? I mean, a, another step up where you just—he just hasn't developed. Yeah, he is. I will. One one of many horses I have beaten today. I will keep saying this: guys like Nazrat Hakparast are why I hate to see fighters turn pro in their teens. Mm-hmm. 
you get locked in to a lot of early tendencies and early stylistic choices without getting a lot of the elite level training that a pro combat sports career in another combat sport might have held, you know, had you gone and been a competed as a pro grappler into your twenties or a collegiate wrestler or a kickboxer or what have you, you get a lot of MMA skill training that locks you into a limited version of MMA skills pretty young. And then you have a long peak. You have a long prime all through your twenties. You can be like, Oh man, this guy's already been fighting for five years and he's 22 and you have 22 to 32 to fight at a decent, okay level, which, you know, Mm -hmm. Hey, maybe that's not such a bad thing in and of itself. But it's just like, it's all a flat line. You can never break the bad habits you picked up yeah. early on. That and is that, very, very much the case with Nasrat. Yeah, that just seems to be where he is, where it's just like, okay, you learned like a good one-two and a double leg early on in your career. And, yep. you know, I mean... You've got blazing speed and you can dust people with ease in the first round. And then some of that speed starts to go and it turns out you don't really have like a variety of setups or traps in your arsenal. Yeah. You're just kind of out there and then you have to have a tough fight every time. Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, that's what I mean. Like he gets a step down. He's below McDessie on the card, which is ironic, but like, yeah, there is such a clear pattern of every time he has faced somebody good, he has just lost. <laughs> yeah, he just does the same thing over and over again. And they're like, oh, okay, well. I get you it. Know, if all you're going to do is throw one twos at me. I mean, that, that fight with Bobby Green where he was like, oh, I'm going to outbox Bobby Green. Oh, my God. And, we, I mean, we were just the whole time, like, I remember doing the show, like, breaking that fight down. All It's just like, you are not you are going to get seriously badly schooled. Yeah. You are not prepared for this. And, you know, Dan Hooker, Drew Dover, all that. It's, and it's still, it's a game that's functional at a pretty high level. Like Rafa Garcia has won a bunch of fights in the UFC these days. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And he he styled on Garcia. Yeah. Joe Kim Silva has been around forever. He beat McDessie. The, the physical advantage he, advantages that he built his game on are still very, very strong and meaningful. Yeah. But you need more of that more than that against elite fighters in their primes. Yeah. It also has to be said, too, that like he is a great example of why TriStar is not a relevant camp anymore. Yeah. Where, like the technical depth that they are bringing to fighters is just, it's just not there. It's not there. What was it? Oh, it was, yeah, somebody, it it was Hawk Parast, actually, I think it was. They said, like, oh, you know, he, or was it Hawk Parast? Who was it that had, yeah, it was Hawk Parast. So he is actually, to his credit, he's been spending more time, I think, at King's MMA, Lately, I think you're right. Yeah, 
Uh, and he had three had Cordero in his corner and Faraz Sahabi in his corner. But he spent a lot of time at TriStar over his career. And it just doesn't seem like it added a lot. They were talking like, oh, this is the first time he's been back at King's MMA in a long time for his fight with uh, McDessie. And I hope he's, I hope he's been. Let me see. Actually, I got to look now. It seems like a good fit for him. Yeah, that would be uh, the kind of thing I would want to see. Is just like, oh yeah, they know you're aggressive. They'll or they know you're physical. They'll just you know drive you to keep, to yeah, keep pushing. To keep just go out there and smack people in the body and walk them down. And yeah, yeah. I mean it, the other thing with him being a tri tri star fighter is he is one of the kinds of fighters that have never seemed to gel particularly well with the tri star system. Yeah. Yeah. Like Alex Garcia is the other standout uh, fighter of that type where it's like, oh, he's not like some long, patient, um, intellectual fighter who wants to kind of stand back and solve problems like your uh, your Rory's and your GSP's were capable of. Or yeah. your, um, who's the British guy who like oh. hasn't fought in forever? Tom, Tom Breeze. Tom Breeze, yeah not that kind of fighter. You have like your little stockier power yeah. punching guys. And I just don't know if they know what to do Yeah, with those fighters. Like what is the tri-star game? What semblance of a tri-star game does Hawk Prost have? He doesn't yeah. look like other tri-star fighters. And so, and he hasn't developed at all. Yeah. So, Same anyway, guy he was. All that is to say he's going to beat Landon Canones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Canones' game is just raw. It's yeah. not bad. He's a, uh, I think he might even be a Killcliff guy, which makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Um, Topology says MMA Science Academy. Yeah. He was wearing Killcliff shorts for his last fight pre-tough. Okay. So maybe he's jumped over and done some work there. But if he has, he looks kind of like a lot of the people who start who jump over to kill to, to, to training under hoofed and all them where you're just like, Oh, team okay. Evil. We, we just say team evil. Team we don't. evil. Uh, but it's just like, Oh, okay. You're, you're learning some good fundamentals and they are slow coming. Like you are being, you know, slow molded into a style. Sure. That you're not necessarily all that comfortable in right now. And it comes with its ups and downs and, Maybe, you know, Kanona seems like he's durable. Seems like he is uh, learning some good basic techniques. But, you know, he just kind of also went out there on tough against, uh, what's his name? Uh, Knight. Mm -hmm. And uh, just dropped himself straight into a triangle and got tapped out. Yep. And it's just, it's just a very rudimentary... You know, oh, if, I, if you don't know how to deal with basic striking, I have basic striking. I have basic wrestling. I have a basic top game kind of game. Yep. Which is, it's solid fundamentals, getting him through the uh, regionals well, and it might serve him well in another three or four years or two or yeah. three years. Who knows? But right now, I just got to pick. It doesn't seem like a game designed to see what Hawk Prost is doing and being like, oh, I can pick this off because you're doing it a lot. Yeah. No, absolutely not. I, I think Hawk Prost might just 
he, he might be able to knock him out, durable or not, just because he's so shocking early. Otherwise, if it turns into a stupid scrap, like for however little Hawkbrust has adjusted to win fights that reach that stage, he always hangs super tough in them and keeps going. He's yeah. he's a seasoned fighter at this point. Yeah, he can have the 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 Rafa Garcia fight or yeah, exactly. the Alexander Munoz fight or the Mark D. Kesse fight. Where you're just like, oh yeah, the other guy's a good athlete and doing some right things, but you're just faster and you stick to a good idea. So Yep. Odds on the bout. Hawk Parast is a heavy favorite. Opened at minus 366, is currently at minus 455. Canona opened at plus 304, is currently at plus 364. That brings us to a welterweight fight. <laughs> Mike Mateta, or Blood Diamond. He's, it's, I, oh, think I was like, I was Mike, like who, the, who the hell is Mike Mateta? Yeah. <laughs> he, he, I think at this point he actually calls himself Mike Diamond. Oh. I don't know. But uh, Blood Diamond against Charlie Radke, who would actually have a pretty good nickname if they didn't actually say Charlie first. Yeah. No, he should, he should, he should do what Blood Diamond does and just go by the nickname. Yeah. Chuck Buffalo. Yeah. I like that nickname. It's distinctive. Yeah. It's Fun. distinctive, but just get the get the announcers to drop the Charlie at the front, at the very least, and just be Chuck Buffalo Radke, you know? Because yeah. Char- Charlie Chuck, he, 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 we don't nah. need that. Nobody nah. needs nobody needs that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah. Um, uh, but this is one of those fights where I especially looked at it and was like, man, yeah. that dude's not winning. <laughs> and then you go watch the, te- the, the tape on the opponent, you're like, Okay, well, I don't know. Uh huh. Coin flip, I guess. Yep. I don't know, man. I I really don't. I I am right. my my inclination is to pick against Blood Diamond out of sheer resentment that right. I have to know who he is. Yeah. That for some reason, with his goofy ass nickname, he showed up, and it seemed for just a minute everyone was talking about him. Well, he he showed up and he was like, oh, I train with, uh, well, he showed up, Israel Adesanya talked him up because he's oh, like, that's what it was. So he just came out of nowhere. Yeah. And suddenly everybody's like, blood time, blood time. You have to take this guy seriously. And I looked at one bit of footage when he was yeah. just fighting. I was like, this guy's not good. No. Uh, and he's still not good. He's still not good. <laughs> he's just been losing like badly in the there UFC. There is a tight. For all as successful as Volk and Adesanya and Olberg and some of the other city kickboxing guys have been, there is clearly because Kevin Jusset is uh, or uh, on this card as well is a city kickboxing guy. Jusset, I believe. Jusset, yeah, Kevin Juicy, Jusset. Ke- Juicy Kevin. Juicy Kev. Uh, <laughs> There, there's clearly another kind of city kickboxing guy, uh-huh. and it is Israel Adesanya's sparring partner. <laughs> yeah, and this is them. Yeah, and I don't mean you know Carlos Olberg. Well, I mean Carlos Olberg. Honestly, he is probably the really excellent version exactly, of this yes. guy. 
he is this game, but he's he's big and really confident, and it's just a little more fleshed out. Yep, he's really fast, and he was given a specific model. I think, like I say, I think it was a lot of yeah. Could be. No, we want you to fight like like uh, Michelle or like uh, not Michelle Pereira, but Alex Pereira. He he doesn't scream. Guy who came in was brought in to lose to Izzy, yeah. <laughs> which is the feeling you get from Blood Diamond. It is, to be honest. It is very much a oh, you've been taking classes and learning, you know, some of these same kickboxing basics, but you're also mostly just here to get rounds for Izzy to get rounds. Yeah, and. But the thing is, is that he's learning some kickboxing. Some there's like a technical, there is a technical thing being taught, a style being taught here. I don't like it a lot, <laughs> but there is a style being taught here, and he is fighting a man in Charlie Radke who absolutely refuses to wrestle because wrestling is for cowards. Um, I've, I've seen some fights where he wrestles. I've he seen wrestles. some fights where he grapples because he ends up in a grappling exchange and ends up being like, oh, well, I guess I can take your back because we're scrambling already. And, you you know, or he'll he'll push somebody over. I've seen him push somebody over. He shot for takedowns in his fight with uh, Justin Montalvo is the guy's name. Granted, he lost that fight, but yeah. He, if he's shooting, it seems like it's because he's been like absolutely forced at <laughs> gunpoint. <laughs> he's definitely a fighter who, given his own way, would just like to be brawling with somebody. Yeah, and that is uh, worrisome because not anything like great about the way he brawls. No, there isn't. He's, I mean, yeah, he's, he's, he's reasonably comfortable doing it. Like I'll I'll, I'll give him credit for that. It's not like he's in there panic brawling all the time, but he does have outside of the wild exchanges, a pretty slow paced kind of ponderous, uh, game at range. And then just, I mean, I don't know. Both these guys suck. Right. (laughs) I just don't know. Um, Whatever. I'll take Radke. I don't think Blood Diamond's very good. He's not. He is not at all. He's just, he's just like, he has like one layer where it, it's a kickboxing style, and then he's just like, he doesn't have punching mechanics. No. You know, like he can't throw an uppercut with leverage, like, uh, you know, and it's like he falls off balance when he misses a kick, like every time. It's just not like coordinated. No, he he really does seem like he's. It's like if like Stretch Armstrong was on like electric football, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like wiggling. It's just like <laughs> the limbs just kind of go in different places. <laughs> yeah. And he probably will end up grappling with Radke, whether Radke wants to get, take it there or not. Yeah. Because he just, like, falls into people. 
I, I'm yeah. going to take Radke. I think Radke is a is a decent enough puncher. He's comfortable in a stupid, ugly fight, and I I probably give him a grappling advantage of the fight. Oh, yeah, he definitely there. has a grappling advantage over Blood Diamond, no question. Yeah. Uh, if he finds his himself there, it's he's an he's an MMA masters fighter, Radke. Yeah, and it just that, makes so that much, makes a lot of sense. It does. We've talked so much about that that camp being a, a, a camp where it's all about answering questions and never asking them. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. Where it's like, oh yeah, if somebody takes Charlie Radke down, he can scramble all right and like get to their back and do some like fun grappling. But if they don't, he's just gonna like wade in and throw a, throw one punch at a time. And wait until somebody does something to him that he has to try to respond to and fight his way out of. Yeah. I'm. Uh, it's just flip a coin. I mean. Yeah, I'll just take. I'll just put take Blood Diamond. I'll for the fun of it. I think that they've set him up for a fight that they think he can win, and he probably can't. But I think Red <laughs> will just kickbox with him for long enough for him to like do something tricky and the trickiness of it will be enough. Yeah. I don't know. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Why not? We have, reached, uh, we have reached that point of the prelims. Yeah. Why not? But that uh, opened at plus two Oh seven. It's currently up at plus two fifty eight. Radke opened at minus 238. He's currently at minus 305. All right. That brings us to Shane Young, Gabriel Miranda. This is this is another fight, too, where, like, watching yeah. Shane Young fight footage. And Shane Young is in the uh, Tyson Pedro place. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you're just like, man, you have, and even he even had like a much more complete, in some ways, he had a, mu- a much better striking game than Tyson Pedro. Yeah. He at least had some defense. Yeah. And he had a game. I remember when he, when it's at his best, you would see, it would be like the tap, 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 huge shot kind of striking game. Yeah. Pet, pet slap. Yeah. And We've just seen so many times now over the years that any athlete, it immediately cows Shane Young. It, any level of physical force yeah. convinces him he does not have what it takes to hang in the fight. Like, that fight he had with Blake Builder, mm-hmm. Builder was giving him very little and Young could just not convince himself to pull the trigger at all. And, you know, Omar Morales, we've seen Omar Morales fall apart to a bunch of people. Chris Duncan went out there and took Omar Morales to school. But for Shane Young, he just froze up. It's like, oh, here's a big, strong guy who can kick me. I don't really know what to do with this. Yep. Not a not a great distinction to be the only guy Omar Morales has beaten, given how completely aimless and unconfident Morales has looked in his last like five fights. 
Exactly. He looks done, and Shane Young just didn't get going against him. However, Gabriel Miranda is a can-crushing shit show. Yeah. Like, you look at Gabriel Miranda's 16-6 and six record. Opponents are 5-5, five and 3-1, five, and 8-7, 5-1, 0-0, 5-0, 5-0, and and five and 6-0, zero and 0-8, zero, and zero, and zero, and zero, oh and 2-1, and 1-3, 0-7, one, one and 0-0, oh and 0-3, oh and 0-2, oh and 0-1. And oh and yeah. That is all of his... 16 wins. He is a 33-year-old who has never beat an opponent who is not either severely inexperienced or just outright bad. The very definition of can crushing. And even the guys that I listed in there who sound like they had decent records, their records are all one click away from being obviously incredibly thin yeah you know you the these fighters are not good some aspera fc type matchmaking in there. yeah and every time he's taken a step up against any kind of quality opponent he has lost and you watch his fight he had with benoit saint-denis obviously benoit saint-denis already much better than we thought he was yeah but it, it becomes really clear what's going on with Gabriel Miranda. He rushes people, throws power, falls into the clinch, jumps on submissions immediately, and then pulls guard. He is Brazilian Derek Minner. <laughs> yeah. And I've got to pick Shane Young to win that fight. This feels to me like the Turkali thing, where it's just like, yeah, okay, you are you're at a confidence loss. This is a man who will only provide you confidence. Not immediately. I mean, that is the concern. Like, well, Shane Young has never been. He got he got knocked out by Ludovic Klein, but I yeah. don't think Real Miranda can do that. He's never been submitted. Yeah. And Gabriel Miranda is going to fall on him and pull guard. Yeah. He has never, ever knocked anyone out, even with all the cans he's faced. Yeah. Yeah, It's pro- it probably comes down to the decent defensive wrestling and, um, and grappling game of Shane Young. Yeah. yeah. He is actually pretty difficult to um even if you're like quick and strong enough or aggressive enough to get him down it's pretty difficult to control him he's got some yeah. good sweeps in his arsenal he can get back to his feet well and drag you into a clinch and yeah miranda just his his record is just fake like it is he i, I don't know how the ufc keeps getting fooled by these guys into signing them like this has also happened a lot more recently like are the matchmakers literally just looking at people's records on paper like one glance and like okay yeah, I think they're, they've just been in some desperate straits for low-cost fighters. And they're just, when, when it's that kind of time, they're looking at, okay, we are offering you a bargain basement contract and you have a record that looks okay and you're willing to take it. 
Yeah, fine. I mean, the UFC shouldn't be signing guys like Gabriel Miranda. In my no, opinion. I guess th- these are, to me, Gabriel Miranda is, you know, he's in the same boat as Chepe Mariscal for me, where, I mean, I'm much happier to see Mariscal here. Absolutely. But, like, that should, that those two should have fought on the Contender Series. And to, I would... To prove that Mariscal's better. <laughs> prove that Mariscal's better. And then you put Mariscal in the UFC. Yeah, I would have been fine with that. I mean, Mariscal's record is real. When, you know, warts and all. He's got yeah. a real record against a bunch of real fighters. Um, yeah, I suppose I'll take Shane Young, too. He has not looked promising, but no. Gabriel Miranda does not look close to as good as the guys that have been beating Shane Young. Yeah, and we've seen, you know, even in the, the bad run for Young, while this is all being proved, he still beat Austin Arnett and Rolando D. So sure. show up as a bad, as a mediocre athlete without a, a, an assertive game of your own. Yeah. Shane Young can still find, he can find himself in those fights. Yeah. Or even where it's assertive, probably exactly the wrong kind of game to think. Yeah. To, to rely on against Young. Yeah. So I've, I got to take Young here, but it is one of the, like I said, it's, these are fights where I'm looking at one guy and be like, oh man, no. And then you look at the other person, you're like, okay, well. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Young opened at minus 147. He's currently at minus 156. Miranda opened at plus 132. He's currently plus 140. All sure, right. Whatever. That brings us to a welterweight bout. Kevin Juice. Juicy Kev. Juicy K. Juicy K. <laughs> JK. Just, JK. We're just JK. JK. Uh, to Ed versus Kiefer Crosby, who sounds a. I just keep thinking Doug Crosby, mm-hmm. but is otherwise the most like '90s ass TV star name I've oh, ever yeah. heard. Yeah, for a random Irish dude, nickname Big Daddy. That sounds like the network sitcom he was the co-star of. Yeah. Um. Yeah, as you said before, uh, Jusse is another of the uh, the sort of uh, the gamma class. Yeah. <laughs> city, city I'm honestly just going to start calling him White Diamond because <laughs> like, he literally just fights like Blood Diamond. Yeah. In every way. Yeah, I kind of like his game a little better. Um, but I think he maybe is like worse physically Yeah. than blood diamond. He's, he's a little more like defensively minded. Wouldn't be hard. <laughs> right. So he does have a, a little more of like, he's trying to do what Carlos Olberg is out there doing. Yeah. Yeah. He's trying to be patient. He's trying to pick shots off and counter. Um, he's just not very like fast or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I think he's he's more conscientious than Blood Diamond while being perhaps physically inferior. Yeah. Um, I kind of have to... It really was like seeing those two back to back. You're really like, oh, okay. Yeah. This is a, some. This is fundamentally some of what city kickboxing is doing. Yeah. And I wouldn't say looking at... I think Jusei is a better look for them than Blood Diamond. I don't know what... Blood Diamond literally looks to me like a... I mean, he's super inexperienced, too, to be fair to the guy. Yeah. He should not be fighting in the UFC, but he no. just looks like a guy who was brought in to lose to Izzy. He, he does. Jusei looks like a guy who probably physically just does not have it to be uh, a, a, 
a top fighter of any or anything close to a top fighter, but his game makes sense. Yeah. He doesn't look like a bad look for the coaching at that camp. Sure. In the in the way that Blood Diamond might. Um but I kind of have the feeling he's gonna get trucked by Kiefer Crosby. You know, the thing with Kiefer Crosby is that he really looks like he should that should happen. But did you watch that fight he had with uh, Charlie Leary. I have not seen that one. I watched his fight with Cowboy Oliveira. Yeah, his fight with Cowboy Oliveira. He definitely, he definitely trucked Cowboy Oliveira. He sure did. The fight with Charlie Leary. He came out and he just looked like he was gonna truck Charlie Leary. You know, he. If you see pictures of Charlie Leary, he is every. Click on his picture on Tapology. <laughs> okay, let's let's he, take a look here. He is every Ooh, handsome guy. Every regional MMA dude ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he looked like he was going to truck Charlie Leary. And Charlie Leary, Leary just sat down in front of him and sat on a jab and got trounced for a couple of minutes. But he just sat on the jab and the occasional counter long enough that Leary just started walking into them and getting himself hurt. Yeah. And he really only has like one setting of brawl inside and not the greatest chin Mm -hmm. to do that with. I don't think, you know, I mean, maybe not bad. But he was getting he was getting clipped up by Leary by the time that fight had to be waved off. He's never been he's never been knocked out. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess I can't say his chin is like awful or anything. But it was it was was affecting him. It was affecting him. Yeah. And I kind of can't help feeling that Juse might be the same kind of dude where. He's had one doctor stoppage due to cut against Jack Della Maddalena, which tells me a lot about what kind of chin he has. Mm-hmm. And a split decision to Caleb Rideout, where they just traded shots and he lost a split. It was a, an okay fight. Yeah, you are not kidding, by the way, about this Leary fight. Yeah. For all the willingness to go in there and brawl with a guy like Cabo Oliveira, who was just swinging hooks with him. Yeah. He is, like, scared of Leary's jab. Yeah. Like, Al, I keep, I keep running into it. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> and by the end of the round, it's just like, okay, this is actually a big problem. Yeah. And it really is just a jab. Yeah. Um, and I... I th- I'm gonna pick say I think he can. He, he'll he'll be able to just lean on that and his toughness. Yeah, he is tough. You know. Yeah. He has been in there and gotten pressed up against the fence and had to just weather some pretty big storms in several fights. And um, he does it pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll ride with you. I'll take uh, juicy juicy Kev. Juicy K. Yeah. Yeah, just seems I don't know. Like I, I, it's SBG Ireland too for Kiefer Crosby. Yeah, and man, if I'm gonna trust a gamma level fighter between two camps, 
Oh, absolutely. No question. You're taking the city kickboxing guy. Yeah. No question at all. So. (laughs) We've now adopted the term gamma level fire. What's the most embarrassing? What's the most embarrassing sounding Greek letter? Is it gamma? (laughs) No, gamma gamma sounds cool. Gamma's like a sci-fi. You get gamma ray, like gamma radiation and stuff. It's got to be like uh, epsilon class. Yeah, also sounds cool. Greek letters sound so cool. Damn it. Yeah. Let me see. Damn it. My Greek alphabet here. The only ones that aren't going to sound cool are the ones that are like not pronounceable by an English speaker. Yeah, let me let me see. Maybe I mean Zeta. Zeta. It's hard to sound cool with Zeta. Catherine Zeta Jones. I disagree. Well, yeah. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Iota is a good fighter. <laughs> you cannot be an iota level fighter. <laughs> you don't want to have one iota of an iota level fighter in you. Or it's either that or moo. <laughs> <laughs> that one doesn't even track as a letter though. Yeah, that just sounds like we're describing Justin Taffa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moon uh, level, moon no, level fighter, a moon level fighter. <laughs> <laughs> Iota, he's an Iota level. Yeah, Iota level city kickboxing versus Iota. Well, I guess there is. I guess there is Sigma out there. People have been using that. He could be <laughs> a Sigma level fighter. Sigma unclear. Fighter. Unclear which, with all the layers of irony, whether that is a compliment or an insult at this yeah, point. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I'll take uh, GCK. That sounds good. Juice opened at minus 114. He's currently minus 151. Crosby opened at plus 103. He's currently plus 136. Also, once again, another fight where you watch Juice and you're like, yeah, no, not you. Then you watch Crosby and you're like, uh. Like I said, I actually do like the bones of Juice's game. Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't, he doesn't look like a very good fighter uh, as a total product, but I, I like the techniques he's working with. He's out there, you know. Yeah. He looks like how I like to think I would look if I trained really hard and took some fights. You know, he's out there. He's trying to play a a, a well-put-together game. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to drop over and do a little uh, extra bonus content for our Substack Select members. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcasts and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, the Show Money Podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.